on staff here at Antioch Waltham. We, we, so my family, if you know my family, we have two, uh, we have a five-year-old, three-year-old, one on the way, and we did something adventurous this weekend. We went camping. We went camping, uh, did some tent camping at Harold Parker, and changes in the air. I don't know if you feel it, but fall is coming. And we felt at 50-degree nights, the sleeping bag, the sleeping bags felt good. We had a, we had a sweet weekend. I've got, my, my, I'm, I'm thankful for all you guys who are normally uh, for all the kids who are normally in the back uh, uh, doing uh, your, the children's church, Antioch kids, I want to say thanks for being in here for the summer. It's so good to have you. My, my five-year-old son's here. I just have to say, Noah is a professional frog hunter. He caught probably 30 to 40 frogs this weekend when we were camping. But on, on, the, on the theme of changes in the air, Sean, Sean prayed this and facilitated a time of just receiving. But Lord, I just want to pray that even as change in the physical kind of stirs our hearts that, ah, this feels good, there's something new coming. Lord, I pray that there would be this preparatory work that, that happens in us this morning, right now, that, that changes in the air, and you are doing something this morning in us to bring life, to bring transformation that, that, that impacts us and goes far beyond this room. So, Lord, we open our hearts to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's, today's message is a continuation of, of what John uh, Prickett started last week in, in talking about a hospitality that welcomes heaven. Hospitality, it welcomes heaven. And, and the center of today's message is you are made to be a home. You individually and you, we, corporately, you're made to be a home. And I, and I just want to dive right into uh, our text this morning. We're going to read, uh, last week was, a, was a, a story of Jesus interacting with a tax collector named Zacchaeus. And this morning I want to read another narrative. We're just going to read the whole passage. It's a chunk of scripture, but if you would engage with this story uh, as I read it, this, this is going to be the center of, of us talking about hospitality this morning. I'm going to start John 4 verse 1. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. Does anybody know what time of day that is? I had to look it up. It's noon, midday, middle of the day. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For, this, for his disciples had gone away to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. 
The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw the water. I want to pause a second just because we've, we've lived in, uh, we as a family have lived in places where people actually draw water. What time, what time do people normally draw water? If you've ever lived in a context where you're drawing water, what, what times do folks usually get out and draw water? Early morning or late in the evening when, it's, when, when you're preparing supper. So this woman is on, on her own. She's here at the well. What else, what, what's the deal with, with uh, Jesus in, in Samaria? Do Samaritans and, and uh, Jewish, the Jewish and Samaritan cultures, they get along with each other? No, intense racial tension here. Now, uh, what, what about men and women? Do men and women usually interact uh, very often in that context? No, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of breaking of barriers that's happening in, in, this, in this interaction. Okay, let's, let's keep on going. So, so the woman said, hey, tell me how I get a hold of this water. And Jesus said to her, go and call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you're right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but, I, but you say that in Jerusalem, sorry, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem you will worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said, said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. He who is called the Christ, when he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back and they marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said to him, what do you seek or why are you talking to her? So the woman left her water jar and went into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Actually, I want to skip what's, what's going on. The, the disciples, they're notorious for forgetting about food and having issues with food and have this little interaction <laughs> with Jesus about the food, and I want to come back to it. But for time's sake, let's skip the food conversation and, and go to, to what happens with, these, with these, uh, the Samaritan village. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Such a beautiful and, and rich picture. Uh, we, get, we get to see the, the Lord's heart in the context of this story. And I want to go back to, to the idea of God has made you to be a home. He's made you to be a home. And right here at the beginning, I want to acknowledge that there's this tension that we live in of our finiteness and God's infinite power. 
Because in reality, you have limited energy. We have limited time. We have limited resources. And you know what? We hit the wall. We, we run out of those things. And at the same time, God, God has invited us to be citizens in the kingdom where His unlimited power and His lavish love breaks the rules. We're invited to be a part of something supernatural, to believe, to hope, to labor. Um, we're about two, two and a half months out from my wife giving birth, and I'm already getting, and me, just the man, I'm already getting mentally prepared for what's, what's going to happen in labor, because it, it is beyond intense. And there is, there is a place that God calls us to labor in His kingdom, to birth things, to bring new life. So there is this place where we are called to believe, to hope, to labor for restoration and transformation in things that are humanly impossible, both in ourselves and in the world around us. So how do we live, how do we live this? How do we live in this tension of we, we, need, to, we need rest? We need restoration. We need to be recreated. We need recreation. And by that, I don't mean just Netflix. I mean, we need to be, we need life to be made in us. And we're called to sacrifice. And, and, I, and I, I was trying to think of a definition of sacrifice. And in the context of my daily life, I'm thinking, what I, what I or you give, whether it's serving, whether it's listening, loving, pouring ourselves out, what, what we give, we don't, at the end of the day, we don't break even, even in terms of what we get back, whether it's naps, appreciation, time at Starbucks. We don't break even. Sacrifice is giving more of ourselves than we get back. How, how many of you feel this tension in life? Of, I am being, I, I'm, I'm called to be a part of something where I am being constantly poured out, but I'm limited. How do I do this? I feel it. How many, how many of you are, are being mowed over, are being waylaid by this tension? It's not easy. And I, and I just want to stop and say this morning, for those of us who, who are, are worn out, hospitality, when you hear the word hospitality and you think of hosting and inviting people into your home, just the thought of doing something more and the preparation, of it, that could be crushing. And I want to say what I think, what, what, I, what I believe the Lord wants to do for all of this this morning as a starting point is I believe He wants to show us hospitality. He wants to show us home. And, and I want you to think, in that, I want you to think of Abraham, of God coming to Abraham and saying, I'm calling you away from your people to a place where you're going to be completely vulnerable, leaving home, and I'm going to be your home. I'm going to be your shield. I'm going to be your inheritance. I'm going to be your portion. I'm going to bless you so that you will be a blessing to all the nations. God wants to make home in you so that you can be home for others. That's the crux of the message this morning. God wants to make home in you and for you so that you can be a home to others. A definition, a Webster 1828 dictionary definition of hospitality. The act or practice of receiving and entertaining strangers or guests without reward or with kind and generous liberality. 
And what I love about Webster's 1828 is it gives a, a, a Bible verse that might exemplify uh, the, the definition. And so a bishop or an overseer must be given to hospitality. That hospitality is actually one of the, one of the prerequisites of an elder, an overseer, a bishop. Did you know that, that hospitality is actually a core value of who Jesus is in his kingdom? You see it unpacked in the Old Testament with the, with the, the, the Israelites. You see it unpacked in the New Testament. Can you imagine a, a current politician or king saying, hey, one of my main points, one, one of the key points of my kingdom and, 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 and my policies is going to be establishing an atmosphere, a culture of hospitality. We have a beloved king. And, he, and part, of the, part of the whole reason that he's bringing restora- restoration, which is what, what welcoming heaven can, can, I, can, I, can, I, can I read you out of Isaiah 61? This is, these are marks of welcoming heaven. Good news to the poor, binding up the brokenhearted, liberty to the captives, open up, opening of the prison to those who are bound, comforting those who mourn, giving, giving joy instead of mourning, uh, praise instead of just weariness and faintness, that they, that we, may be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord. And then listen to verse 4, that they shall build up the ancient ruins. This is God's people. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. This is talking about home. He, Jesus is rebuilding home in us, and he's given us the task of restoring home to our communities, to our neighborhoods. The Google definition of, of hospitality is not much different than Webster's 1828 Dictionary. Uh, here's Google, the friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests, visitors, or strangers. Can I give you my, my simplified definition? Here's what I would say hospitality is, inviting someone into your place of home and belonging. To your place of home and belonging. And, and what, what would, how would you describe home, or at least a home that you would want to be in? I would a few words that I would use to describe home are security and stability, rest, fun, nurture, nourishment. A lot, of, a lot of a lot of home is just centered around food, right? How many how many of you hang out in the kitchen a lot when you're together, whether roommates or family? Food 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 is a centerpiece in in our homes. It's home is a place where I'm known. And I can, be, I can just take joy and I can be at rest in being me, who God's made me to be. And you know what? I see Jesus being this and doing this in the story. He is bringing home. You know, we think of inviting people into home, and that's part of hospitality. But part of, part of hospitality is bringing home. And in this story, we see Jesus bringing home to this woman and to this village. And it's a powerful thing. I was trying to think of examples of, of hospitality outside of the bounds of, of, our, of our homes. And I, I had this, uh, this memory come to me several years ago uh, in the context of training school. We spent several days in East Boston. Uh, there's uh, several families that we are connected with in, in East Boston. And we, spent, we, we lived in there. We slept at their houses. And we spent our days in East Boston and grew to love East Boston. And uh, these friends of ours, the Neves, many of you know Matt and Pam Neves, they introduced us to a buddy of theirs that was a part of their uh, home group there that uh, had 
been living on the streets, was kind of in the midst of reestablishing his life, was in, just in a rough place, uh, and had 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 a lot of rough experiences. We got to know him, super cool guy. And uh, so a few months later, we were visiting, and uh, my parents were in town. We invited our friends, the Neves, and then this buddy to, to meet us for lunch. And uh, just in the context of lunch, Noah's, I think, seven or eight months. I can't remember. He's a baby. And in the midst of, of lunch, I, I said, hey, do you want to hold Noah? Because uh, he's a fun baby to pass around. And, 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 and this buddy of ours took Noah, and he took a deep breath, and he said, I haven't, I haven't held a baby. And I can't remember the number he threw out, but it was decades. And there's something really beautiful that happened. He felt home for just a minute there, holding Noah. It was just precious. And, and I, I, I picked that story, too, because everybody, everybody in our, in, our, in our homes, in our families, in our lives can bring home with them. And it doesn't matter who you have, how much you have, or how much you don't have. You, you can bring home. But home, we, we, we bring home with us. You've, you've heard me say this. I feel like every time I, I have the chance to preach, I read from Isaiah 61. <laughs> and then I also uh, make this statement. We were made for relationship. That's why we were made. All the things that we do, all the things that we are accomplish. In our days, there are contexts for relationship. God, God made heaven and earth for relationship, so we would experience relationship with Him and with each other. But we're made for relationship. And the, the definer, the biggest definer of home that I want to propose to you is God's presence. That, that is home, is God's presence with us. And, and going back to, to being, being on, on, always on the, on the verge, or, or some of us are even probably in burnout, God wants to make home for us so that we can be a home for others. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's what? Freedom. There's joy. There's peace. There's rest. There's life. God's presence makes home. In, in the Old Testament, uh, when, I, when I think of God's presence being home, I think of the tabernacle or the temple and, and God's physical manifest presence filling the place and being the center of culture and life for the Israelites. And then we see Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, God makes his home with us, his dwelling place with us. And, and we, we, we get to see the heart of the Father expressed in Jesus. But it didn't stop there. Jesus said, I, I'm going away so that I can send the Holy Spirit. And it's, a, it's astounding. We become the dwelling place of the Spirit of God. We are a dwelling place. We are a home for the Spirit of God. Does that astound you? I, I, want, I want to throw out a, a mental picture. It's kind of a, a, a silly, a little bit of a silly picture, but you, you are a spiritual motorhome. I don't know if y'all, it's a little bit on the camping theme. I don't know, we, as a kid, we, we had a little, it was old at that point, 
Uh, but we had an old, old pop-up camper, no bells or whistles. So I'm not talking about that kind of a spirit. I'm talking about a lot nicer <laughs> mobile home. But you, you are a spiritual mobile home. God, God has invited you to make a place for him to dwell. And, there, and there's, there's, some, there's some preparation. There's some things that he asks you to do to cultivate a dwelling place for him. And there's things that he does. He, he comes in and he, he, he makes it home too. But there's, there's this preparatory aspect of, of being a, a, a home and so that's the first point I want to talk about in going, in going back to our story and talking about hospitality is hospitality involves preparation. Uh, and I want to, the, the, this place where I, I really want to hone in right now uh, in preparation is something corporate. I want to read for you uh, a scripture out of Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians 2, starting in verse 14, and this is a passage on reconciliation. And, and, and the Paul, the writer of Ephesians, is specifically talking about reconciliation between Jews and Gentiles. Uh, but I want to I broaden it a little bit and talk about reconciliation in the context of the body of Christ as a whole. Verse 14 says, For he himself is our peace, talking about Jesus, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh, his broken body, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressing in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to, to those who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you, are a fe- but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. We, the church, are being built together to be a dwelling place. You know what? I believe for us to be hospitable, there is, there is something deep that has, has to happen in our community, in our culture, in our relationships, to where the differences between us, and, and some of these things are, are, are differences that are beautiful, right? That the part of the culture that we, that we bring part of our, our what, what we define as home and family, these things are beautiful. But there's also, when we have different experiences and different worldviews and different viewpoints, we get frustrated with each other. We get offended. And, and I, I mean, all you have to do is turn on the TV, pull up your, your news feed, walk out the door, and you feel and experience the tension, the, the hostility, even the hatred of racism, of different political agendas, different, different, uh, different skin color. It's just the intensity of how we are feeling and experiencing, expressing hostility is front and center, right? Is that right? It is. And, and part of it's what's happening around us, but I think it's, it goes far beyond of just what's happening in the right here and right now. 
that there, there is something about us being reconciled to each other, about us knowing each other, understanding each other, living alongside each other in a way that we love and appreciate who each other are that hosts the presence of God, that creates a place for Him to dwell so that we have home to invite other people into. So it's not just a political thing that's happening around us right now. It's, it's not, it's not, it's, yes, it, 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 it's, there's so, it's so complex. <laughs> I'm, I'm not able to even unpack it. I feel like it's so complex. But, but we have to enter in as, as God's people. And you know what? That's going to require a lot of grace. Because we're going we're gonna to offend each other. We're going to misunderstand each other. Uh, and, and I know it's already happening on some level, but it'll continue to happen. But I want to say it is worth it. And we cannot be a hospitable people unless we're willing to go there. Unless we're willing to, to go to these places of being reconciled and being made one in the Spirit. When we see Jesus interacting with, with the woman at the well, we see, we see this preparatory work. And, and so we're talking about Jesus who is whole, who is without sin. And so it, it, was, it's, it was always there, right? But we see this work of, of preparation in his heart that when he interacts with the woman, he sees her, right? He doesn't just see a woman. He doesn't see a, just a Samaritan. He doesn't see a woman with a past who the society might shun her or make fun of her. He sees her. And that's what, that's what cultivating this, these relationships of, of unity and reconciliation, that's what it does in our own hearts, is it allows us to see people as the Lord sees them and interact with them and love them from a place of wholeness. And, and I believe that's what, that's what happens with Jesus here. All right, let's move on in the story. Actually, one side note. When you, when you look at, at several scriptures in the, in the New Testament about us being the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit, there's a couple of different scriptures in 1 Corinthians that talk specifically about sexual purity. And as I got to thinking about it in the context of hospitality, I thought, wow, this is really interesting that, that our journey of purity impacts the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, right? We're, we, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's physical, it's mental, it's emotional. We are a whole person. We, and, and our walking in purity impacts the Spirit dwelling in us. And that's a, that, that's a, that's a private place, right? But the dwelling, if we're saying that, that hospitality is creating a home so that we can in, uh, invite others into it, did you know that our personal journey of walking in purity impacts our hospitality? They're connected. It's crazy, but it's connected. Our wholeness sexually not only creates a place for the Holy Spirit to move and to dwell and create a home for us, but it creates a, a, a safe, a whole place to invite others into, both individually and corporately. It's not just about us. It's about other people and us serving other people. Hospitality involves preparation. It also involves initiation. 
And we see Jesus initiating with this woman, and this is not a, this is not a point I want to spend a whole lot of time on. It's, it's simple. Hospitality says, I will seek you out. I'll go to you. And there's, some, there's, some, there's an aspect of humbling ourselves, right? We can be rejected. We can, you know, even, even finding a time to meet can be <laughs> humbling. But initiating, seeking someone out is loving them, is serving them, is showing them hospitality. And, and in this case, Jesus is actually asking for something when he initiates with the woman. So I want to continue to, to drive this thought of hospitality is far beyond just inviting people into our homes. It's bringing home with us wherever we go. It involves initiation. Hospitality is letting my walls down. Or as a family, it's letting our walls down. You know, something that really hit me, I was thinking of, oh, Jesus really brings the walls down with the woman in this story. And he's really direct about it, right? And, and it's amazing because just if you just read the story and, and you don't know the woman's response to it, you think, whoa, she is going to tuck and run. She's out of there. But there's something about how Jesus engages with her that makes her feel safe. Because not only does she em- embrace him, but she runs and tells everybody else, saying, he told me everything I ever did. Uh, there's something, there's something, he, he's going deep, and, and, and hospitality goes deep. But Jesus gives her something very vulnerable of himself, and it took me a little while to, to, for it to hit me in the story. But how many times do you see Jesus going up to someone and saying, I'm the Messiah? That's who I am. I'm the Messiah. He does it occasionally, but very few times. And John is actually full of Jesus saying to his disciples or to his mom, different people at different times, my time hasn't come. It's not time for me to be, for, for, my, uh, for who I am as an anointed Messiah and king. It's not time. But for this woman, he, lets it, he, he, opens, that, he opens that place to the, to the deepest part of who he is and said, So Jesus himself lowers some walls in this story. And that's part of hospitality, is letting the walls down and being vulnerable. Hospitality is about generosity. It's about a joyful, uh, a a lavish generosity. It's about a, a generosity that's not afraid of where provision is going to come from. And, and the opposite side of that is something that I think is actually defined in someone struggling with being an orphan, being rejected, being alone. Because an orphan, no matter how much there is, an orphan is always saying there's not enough. I live in a place of lack. Uh, I need to, to hoard and to keep, keep it all to myself because I don't know if there's going to be enough in the future. But the opposite of that is, I know there's enough. There's always going to be enough. I know there's enough. And Jesus, if you look in verse 6, how's how's Jesus doing physically? He's tired. He says he's weary. And his disciples have gone into town to get food, so he's probably hungry. Yet he he, he he makes time. He gives energy. He makes space to engage with this woman. He's giving of himself sacrificially in this context. 
So making, making room to be hospitable requires a confidence that there is enough and there will be enough. But there's something more that happens here. And this is where I want to look to the, to the part of the passage where, where Jesus is interacting with the disciples uh, about the food. And uh, in verse 31, it says, uh, so he's, he's interacting with this woman. They're saying, come and eat, Rabbi, eat. But he says to them, I have enough food to eat that you don't know about. So Jesus', Jesus satisfaction is in a different place than food at this point. But there's even more. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? They're still stuck on their food here. But Jesus said to him, my food is to do the will of him who sent me to accomplish his work. Do you not say that there are yet four months? Then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for the harvest. Something happens in us when, when our provision comes from the Lord, and our satisfaction comes from the Lord, something happens, and what we see changes. It goes from being, oh man, we, we forgot to get something to eat. I'm so tired. Why is he making us walk through Samaria? Are you serious? He's talking to this woman to look. The fields are ready. They're right. There's, there is life to be had here. Our, our whole perspective changes when we live from this place of generosity, of there being enough. Hospitality is joyful, courageous generosity. All right, and then the last, the last thing I want to hit, and then I want to transition to the time uh, of just responding to the Lord is, hospitality brings transformation. It brings change. And, and you, you, we read that. We read a little bit of it, of the Samaritan, the whole, I don't know if the whole town. And it, I would have loved to have seen who in the town, what kind of people were the people that were running out to see Jesus. It would have been really fascinating to see who, who was coming to him. But he hangs out with them for two days. He stops. He, he, he lives with them for two days. And people follow Jesus. Their lives are changed. And so this woman... I believe we see a woman who is isolated, alone. Not only does she find home in the Lord, but the whole town is transformed because of her. She finds home, they find home. The community is impacted by Jesus bringing home to them. So how, how does the Lord want to bring home to you right now? How does he want to bring home through you to bring a place of rest, bring a place of belonging, bring a place where life is being restored in you and in the people around you? How does he want to do that this morning? I want to read from Revelation 21, and as I do, I want to invite the band up. Can you come up and start playing a little bit here? We're never going to fully experience the home that we long for until Jesus brings complete restoration as he brings the fullness of his kingdom. And so in those places where you ache and say, this is good, I'm still hungry for more. It's okay. And that's actually pointing you to a kingdom that he will bring and he is bringing. So we are experiencing the transformation of his kingdom around us 
but, but there is something more that we are hoping for and longing for. And can I, re- can I read to you about that? This is, this is John, and he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, preparing as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning or crying nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. This is the home that we're longing for. This is, this is what we are longing for. So as we, re, we respond to the Lord, I just want to say, if, if you haven't experienced home in Jesus before, if you are longing for home, if you want to belong, Jesus is saying, will you let me make my home in you? There, there's a time and a place right now for you to pause and open up the doors of your heart and say, I want, I, want, I want you to be my home, Jesus. And he does. He comes to dwell, to live in us. There's, there's some of us here today who are weary and tired. And, and this is, I believe, a part of us maturing, of me right now, and saying about I am convicted as I've been preparing. I am convicted. This is a place where I need to mature, of learning to, to find life and rest and restoration in the Spirit of God is my home. That's a, that's a place of maturing as one of his children. And, and something my wife is super good at that I really wrestle at. Do you know that, that I think a part of, of being hospitable is actually being able to, to enjoy and rest even when we're hosting? That, that actually creates a place that other people want to be in. Yes, we want to serve. Yes, we want to prepare. We, wanna, we want it to be a, a, a nice experience for them. But when we're able to let down and enjoy with them, that's when home happens. So God wants us to learn how to let down and, and, and enjoy home with him. And he wants us to, to learn how to let down and enjoy home with others. And could this be a time where he's in a, a season of life where he's inviting us to grow in this area of being able to enjoy home with him and then invite and enjoy home with, with others? Two other points where we can respond. One is, is there time, is there room in your life to enjoy home and to invite others to to enjoy home with you? It's hard. But responding to the Lord right now could be getting out your calendar, getting out your journal, and just saying, Lord, how do you want me to make space so that I can initiate? Uh, and, and even ask him, Lord, who do you want me to initiate with? And I want to challenge you that, that, that part of, just because of the, the gift of who the Lord has made this congregation to be right now, we have to initiate with each other across racial, ethnic language lines. We have to enjoy time in our homes with each other. Ask each other, how does, how does the current events make you feel right now? How are you feeling? 
what are some experiences from your life where you've experienced hospitality or you've experienced the opposite, hostility? Uh, what are ways that I can serve you and love you? And then offer some of that yourself. Those are ways where we, we must be initiating. So I want to challenge you to, to think about what's, what's a way that I can initiate in that way. So, and then lastly, just how, how is the Lord wanting you to take home where you are, where you work, the communities that you live in, the schools that you go to or that your children go to? How does, and, and, and I want to say too, for those of you who aren't married, home is just as significant, just as rich, just as precious, both in your physical home and in the relationships that you have, you're, you're, the, the, the home that you cultivate and the home that you bring is precious. And what, one, one part of the, the, the word picture that I wanted to, to fill out in, in the context of you being a mobile home, what's crazy about the, the spiritual mobile home is that you're made to be, is that all our mobile homes link together. And they create this larger home that is a beautiful, precious home. And everybody's a part of that. Everybody's a part of that mobile home park. <laughs> and, and we get to invite people into that. So, Ben, would you, would you lead out? Would you, let's worship for a little bit. And I want you to respond to the Lord. And if, you, if you're in a place of just saying, Lord, I need to experience your home and you want to be prayed for, please come forward. Let's stand up. Please come forward. Uh, if, you, if you'd like to receive prayer, you can raise your hand. Uh, and we can, if you don't want to go anywhere, free to raise your hand if you need prayer where you are. The Lord wants to make home for you. And I really do want to challenge you to, to, to ask the Lord and expect Him to speak to you of how He wants you to initiate, how He wants to, how He wants you to create a place for Him to dwell, how He wants for you to initiate and invite others to join home with you. Lord, would you lead us would you speak to us right now?